Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with Michael Gailey, one of the most important people in my life that has never been on this show before. Uh, Michael is a, is a wonderful man, and I owe him uh, a debt of gratitude because he's changed my life for the better. You'll hear a little bit about that. Uh, it's a it's a quiet episode. We're two quiet men. I don't know. It's a qu- I like Michael. I think you'll like Michael too. Uh, sooner or later, I would love, love, love to see Michael in person. We'll, we'll figure out when that actually happens. If you are listening to the show, you might like to hear my appearance on political theater. Recently, it's the CQ Roll Call show. I talk about how if Twitter and Facebook were uh, run like a bar, things might be a little bit better. Uh, the link to that is on you, me, them, everybody.com. We also have a Patreon page. You can find that on our About page or in the podcast description of this episode. So if you're listening to it, this right now on youmeetheneverybody.com or in iTunes. The link to Patreon is in the podcast description. If you're listening to it on Spotify, go to youmeetheneverybody.com and our about page. Michael Gailey. I like Michael so much. Fish is a horrible, horrible band. Here's Michael Gailey. We're starting now, but I probably won't right? any of Well, yes, because <laughs> I'm on a time limit and you're at a time limit because you are the father of not one but two small children, and I only have one of those. Uh, and as you know, everything in life revolves around nap time. Yeah, so I have a window, and this is part of that window. So welcome. <laughs> to, Thank you. To, this is my one adult conversations for the day, save for my wife. How, Thank um, you. We had to reschedule a few times. Yes. Because the world is changing. Yeah, yeah. It's been a tough, uh, tough couple of weeks, obviously. It has been a tough couple of weeks, couple, tough couple of months. Um, I know you because of your sister. That's right. And if I didn't, I never thought stand-up comedy would change my life, but without knowing you, I don't live in a house. I live in an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment with a child, so I'm very grateful <laughs> I met your sister you <laughs> over think, 10 you years you ago. All, you all would still be in a, a one-bedroom apartment uh, behind the zoo here? Uh, probably, yeah. Later? I don't know. I probably, uh, I no, I, no, I too am grateful that Megan made this connection. I forget when it was. I think I met, I first met you when you hosted her at the looking glass Mm -hmm. for maybe this show or something. No, it was for eight by eight. It was my variety show. So that was 2011. Yeah. So I met you then Mm -hmm. uh, briefly, I think. And then I I think she and Lisa were in town for something. One of them had a show, both of them had a show. Mm Mm-hmm. And we all uh, we all linked up at local sixteen, and it was a great. And that time. was in twenty fifteen. You guys were just married, right? We were married for a year and like nine months, a year and a half, something like that. Huh. And that show led to us talking to you about how property works. <laughs> That's right. We were we were huddled in the back corner on the main level of local sixteen, mm-hmm. and I think Lisa made us all take uh, like rainbow pop shots of some sort. That sounds right. And then, and then your wife uh, said, "Like, just, just tell us how this works." We we started to look at houses and properties. Yeah, and it, and we had great. looked at one thing ever, like that that day, and I happened to go to their show that night, and I happened to talk to you, and this is how my life works, and I think that's what makes life great. Without you bartending, that doesn't happen. I think that's right. Yeah, and now there aren't bars. <laughs> yes. Because we're in month three of the coronavirus in 
we're in a we're officially in month three. It could be a lot longer based on everything we're learning, but we're in month three of it in Washington D.C. and and your life has been completely altered by this. My life has as well. And um, the past few weeks in Washington D.C., there's been a massive, massive protest, and it felt it felt wrong to talk about anything except social injustice. But um, so so we held back on talking, even though the housing market is a wonderful place to talk about social injustice. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble here. No, you're good. But what I want to know is, are you glad you do what you do in Washington, D.C. and not another city? Uh, Absolutely. Why? Yeah. I I think about it every now and then. I've thought about it more recently. There, um, you know, realtors have to follow lots of very good rules and laws related to fair housing. And, and I can say in DC doing this, you know, 11 plus years, I've not come across too many situations where I feel like those rules or laws are being uh, mishandled or sidestepped or something is uncomfortable. Unfortunately, I'm positive it happens, um, but I do feel grateful that it, yeah, I, I'm just, I haven't witnessed too much of it. Now you're alluding to redlining, I'm assuming. Yeah, that that's one of them. Yeah, blockbusting, redlining. These are very these are old old practices. And there was a video done. I, I want to say it was filmed around New Jersey. A video came out within the last year that was an extensive like investigative reporting, uh, you know, mini documentary about it. And it was you know jaw dropping to watch. Like just it just it sounds like. It sounds like these people are interacting in the, in the 50s and 60s, and it was really. So I met your sister in Chicago. Chicago, you live in Chicago for a minute. It's notorious. It's if, if not the most segregated city in America, one of the most segregated cities of America. Right. Um, did you witness any of that when you were in Chicago? I remember feeling like Chicago was very segregated still. I was there for a little over four years right after college. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, college to me felt pretty white, pretty segregated. And that, that I didn't love that. Uh, Chicago, when I thought about it, yeah, it felt very segregated. So I, I never saw it in action aside from, you know, the, the city feels apart, mm-hmm. feels separate. Washington D.C. does not feel that way to me, at least based on the the two lo- two neighborhoods I've lived in. Definitely more diverse in the neighborhood I'm currently in. You are roughly two miles west of me, I think. Two miles yeah. about. Um, yeah, right. How does it feel in your neighborhood? Um, it's not. So we were in Mount Pleasant first, and now we're on the other side of the park. It's not as diverse as east of the park, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think when I moved from Chicago to D.C it wasn't some conscious decision to move to a, a more diverse area. Um, but, but upon arriving here, I thought, Oh, this is, yeah, this is what I was looking for. This is nice. Um, now not everyone, you know, to live in Lincoln park, Chicago mm-hmm. is, is to live, you know, with, with everyone that looks like you and that, yeah. that got old. So. Except for DePaul itself, the campus DePaul university is surprisingly diverse in terms of, it checks all the boxes and it's roughly equal representation based on race, uh, gender and sexual preference. But that's a very small bubble in a neighborhood that is otherwise predominantly upper middle class, upper class white people. Yeah. I would not have guessed that about DePaul, but that's, that's nice to hear. You got to remember that I didn't know this until I was gone from DePaul. I went to DePaul. Um, a ton of people commute and 
there's the downtown campus as well. So a lot of people spend time in both Lincoln Park and in the Loop. And because of that, you're getting people that are in the suburbs and the city um, pretty much from everywhere. And like, if your class happens to be something you need, you're going to end up in Lincoln Park or you're going to end up in the Loop. And that is, it's a nice way to to have um, a good representation of the actual uh, percentages of, like I said, gender, race, sexual preference, et cetera. Um, You have two kids. Your wife is a wonderful person. Uh, She's a teacher. Thanks, man. Do you feel like she is unduly burdened forever because she went from teaching to uh, children in a classroom to now dealing with your two kids. I'm not saying your kids are bad. I'm saying they're good. But that, that seems like she's had no break whatsoever. And your entire life is just, your entire career has to have been put on pause for the last three months. Yeah. They feel, you know, a lot of industries have had to change and there's so much uncertainty and so many situations have to remain fluid for right now. Uh, her and so I get to now hear her teaching or hear her mm-hmm. in these discussions, hear her sitting in on uh, presentations about what's going to happen, what's happening right now. And yeah, it's interesting. Certainly, her she and her colleagues feel stressed about it, but for the most part, you know, the teachers at her school they seem like happy warriors. They're like, "Yep, we're uh, we we love what we do, and this is a big curveball, and and has." Uh, created some challenges, but they mostly seem up to the challenge. And the uncertainty of what's going to happen this fall is tough. Honestly, I feel like it's if like I feel like it's tough tough on me because I'm like, oh my gosh, what you know, what's going to be expected? Is she mm-hmm. going to be a a frontline worker all of a sudden? What's going to happen with our kids? What's going to happen as a result of all these uh, you know logistical possibilities? But for the most part, my wife is like, you know, whatever it is, it'll be what it will be. It'll mm-hmm. be either all in person or all online or probably most likely for right now, some hybrid of the two. And, uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But she's, she seems cool. She's like – and she kind of felt uh, a little bit better prepared for it. She was on maternity leave for the first semester because we had our mm-hmm. second uh, baby. And so she kind of had moved a lot of her stuff online for that purpose. And so she felt like she was just kind of luckily more prepared to go virtual at the end of the year at the last second. You were going to feel that is barely virtual Uh, when it comes to real estate. You kind of need to, you know, when it comes to not giant commercial real estate, you kind of want to like, you know, see the place you're going to live. So have you been able to move online for anything that you normally wouldn't? Yeah, you know, a, a lot of work happens online anyhow. A lot of it is email communication. The uh, the quick shift in the DC market, you know, initially there was a lot of fear about going out at all. Um, realtors were determined to be uh, essential, so we we could work through the stay at home order. Which at first I, I kind of objected to. Our colleagues in New York City had been like fully shut down; no mm-hmm. one could go out. And that felt like, okay, that's probably the responsible thing to do. But in DC, we were allowed to still work. And at first I objected, but then I, you know, there was, there was value in that for me. Um, A lot of fear initially, a lot of people did not want to leave their houses, a lot of fear about what the stock market had done. So things were kind of at a standstill activity, you know, went off a cliff towards the end of market, not property values, but just market activity in DC and the close in suburbs. Um, but then after a couple weeks, you know, the adjustment was 
for buyers, you really should. We can still get out to see places in person. But prior to doing that, prior to leaving our homes, going into some other property where presumably other people have been living and breathing for the last couple of weeks, um, do all the due diligence on the front end. So look at all the pictures, collect the property disclosures. If the listing agent is really good, hopefully they've created some kind of a 3D tour or done some like walkthrough video. And what you're trying to do before you go see the house is basically talk yourself out of it. Like if this doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it's going to be the one, then we don't need to take the risk of, uh, of going and seeing it in person. So I, that's, I, the, that's the smart adjustment on the, uh, the buy side. And yeah, mo- most good agents are, are going through that process. And uh, so yeah, more can be done virtually than you might think. I was listening to All Told. It's a Washington Post podcast. And in this episode, I think it was released last week, uh, the subject's sister was buying a house in the neighborhood I live in. And and she was telling her sister that um, the market is actually just as competitive as it's ever been. And the supply is just as low as it's ever been. Is that true from your perspective? Yeah, that seems to be the the story the last three, four weeks. both supply and demand have, you know, gone down as a result of COVID-19 mostly, but supply seems to have gone down farther than demand. So yeah, there's a inventory, you know, housing supply is more limited than it would normally be. Demand is a little bit less than it would be in a regular June, but it still is high enough to create all these multiple offer situations. So yeah, most of what I'm seeing in, in my most of my clients are either first-time home buyers in DC, close in Maryland, or close in Virginia, um, or they're you know clients that I helped them to buy their first place, and then they're they're selling the first place, buying the the new place. So most of my stuff is in that market, and yeah, most of what I've seen the last two months has continued to be the the kind of classic DC competitive offers, you know, people doing pre-offer inspections, that kind of thing. Is this surprising so, so, you? So, yeah, oh yeah, very much so. I, the the first couple of weeks, you know, I want to say it was like March 11th, March 12th when Tom Hanks came out that he had COVID mm-hmm. and the NBA season was out of nowhere canceled and all of a sudden people were really seemed to be taking it more seriously. Um right then, yeah, things were for a couple of weeks behind the scenes, I think lenders and title companies, there were discussions about like, oh wow, if, if this gets worse, are, are like the basic functions going to be able to happen behind the scenes? Recording of deeds, loans getting approved, appraisers physically getting into properties. Like, is this is is it going to come to a standstill for some amount of time? And so early on, there was a lot of fear of, of random things like that gumming up the works. The fact that it kind of feels like business as usual here in early June. Yeah, I think that that it's surprising. It's obviously I like it. I like it for my buyer clients, for my seller clients. Um, but it is definitely surprising. Did you have anyone float the idea of leaving the country because of coronavirus? Um, I don't think so. I definitely, I had a super active buyer um, around this time in 2016, mm-hmm. who as it became, uh, as, as the Trump phenomenon grew larger and larger, um, she, and she was not, a, she was not a, an American citizen, but she wanted to, to be in D.C. for a number of reasons. Uh, as Trump became this looming thing over the entire second half of the year, she decided, she said, Trump is a force to be reckoned with, probably going to win. I actually now have no interest in living in Washington, D.C., hmm. and probably not the States. 
I'm going to Paris. I'm going to Rome. But uh, but with COVID, no, no one has said we want to get out of here. Uh, to me, it's interesting because all I've been thinking about was what city could I potentially move to <laughs> that I would want to live in, and so I set up this wonderful, completely made of BS because I've never even been there. But like, what if I could? What What about Toronto? You know, Ooh. Uh, but. I- I could get behind that. We, uh, yeah. you know, our, our sweet grandmom on our, uh, on our dad's side, she's a Canadian citizen. So is she, she really? Yeah. Yeah. Nana Bobo, the infamous Nana Bobo. She was from Canada, grew up in Montreal and Toronto. And then, you know, our parents are from just over the border. They're from the Niagara Falls, New York area. I had no idea. Yeah. We grew up going to Toronto every now and then we'd go visit, you know, grandma and grandpa and then cross over the bridge, see, see the falls and go into Toronto. I'm this assuming you don't have dual citizenship. No, no. I think there may have, there might be some weird uh, avenue towards that, but I don't know. No, I do not. We used but to be yeah. able to cross the bridge. We could go into Canada, you know, pretty much no questions asked mm-hmm. when we were kids. But now, um, due to uh, these protests, I feel like I'd be a traitor <laughs> for leaving the country or leaving the city in general. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I, we don't need to jump ship. I feel like we're. Uh, I, I like DC for for a lot of good reasons, and we feel like we're going to be here, you know, maybe forever, maybe even like probably forever, unless there's some you know crazy life circumstance that that sends us elsewhere. Well, you and your wife met here. Yeah, Mid- so maybe that's why it's different. Originally, both of us, but uh, met here at a group house in Mount Pleasant. Does any part of you wish you were doing this in a group house in Mount Pleasant without kids? This being coronavirus. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Then we could be more. Oh, pardon me. The coronavirus, no. The uh, yeah, the, the protest, yes. Coronavirus, no. To have you know roommates, professional, known as they may be, no. We wouldn't want random roommates to to kind of take on whatever risk they have. But for the protest, yeah, for sure. For us to be. You know, I'm sure there's lots of uh, young activist types in Mount Pleasant. Oh, yeah. Um, that kind of thing. Your youngest is still under the age of one. Uh, based on a guess, let's say these protests continue past uh, her first birthday, would you then be willing to go down to the protest? Um, and so you're right. We, we have not gone down yet. We've got the uh, the infant... Mm-hmm. And the uh, you know, hey, there's four of us in the house. Health across the board is imperfect, not perfect here in the house. Yeah. So we've been we've been pretty cautious. We've we've been pretty nervous about coronavirus in general, and I think we're probably playing things more cautiously than you know even most of our neighbors at this point. But that's the way we want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not so much uh, the baby's age. If um, if in the next two three months you know, the, the coronavirus numbers locally look really encouraging. Um, yeah, then, then we'd be, we'd want to go down for sure. So I'm very conflicted for that exact same reason. Um, but the problem was this is an international city. This is a national city. So even if the numbers here are down, let's look at who's coming to patrol the city. And as of like an hour ago, there's new reports that some of the national guard that were, uh, uh, on just out at the protests, uh, didn't have masks, have coronavirus. No way. I did not. So it's one of those things where like, yeah, if it's down locally, great, 
But if you're literally shipping people in and they're not wearing a mask and they have coronavirus, like I still got that kid that's under one years old. You see what I mean? Yeah, of course. So then it's this weird thing where how do you show support? Um, should I feel guilty? Does feelings even matter? I don't think they do. We're two white guys. We should not be talking about this. But to ignore this would also be absurd. Yeah, no, I don't want to ignore it. Yeah, I feel we in in other circumstances, wife and I would be down there to support for sure, and also to you know be a part of the the historic moment, and which is probably partially vain, but you know mostly to support. Um, but yeah, with with a baby under one and another kid, and you know some health stuff during coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. Uh, we we've we found we hope we're supporting in other ways. We're trying to do what we can from home, but right. Are you sick of your home yet? Not the physical location of it, but just being at home. Yeah, we. You know, I'm used to working from home at least half the week, anyhow. But mm-hmm. normally, that's me at home by myself with the dog. Uh, yeah. That's not that. That's easier than the four of us plus the dog, twenty four hours a day. Ah, are we getting sick of it yet? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we, we haven't felt moved to get out of the city for a weekend or anything. I feel like more and more people, I feel like everyone I know all of a sudden has gone to the Outer Banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we're, we're not there yet for sure. We're still staying home. Do you miss bartending? I know you haven't bartended in a long time, but in general, do you miss it? Absolutely. Who wouldn't miss bartending? Have you ever bartended? Oh yeah, I miss it very yeah. much so. More so now than ever. I don't. The only thing I don't miss about bartending is the closing aspect of it. Oh, well, yes, opening up and closing down, the work involved there surely is the worst part of it. But after closing, if you're at, you know, a good enough establishment that'll let the staff Mm -hmm. hang out for a couple hours and have a few, I mean, that's, that's good stuff. I don't disagree, but when I, the whole time I was bartending, I also had a day job. So I would, and I think you did too. So if if you're not going home until four or 5 AM and you still have to be at work at 9 AM, like that's, that day sucks. We were young. (laughs) I miss that. Yeah. We would last call would be around, everyone would be out lights on at 2 Mm AM and we'd, uh, we'd clean up and do the closing stuff for maybe 45 minutes. We normally, it was okay. Like, okay. Yeah. Once, once the lights are up, Everyone, all the staff can start drinking, enjoy yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it would be home by maybe 3.30. And then, yeah, up and at him on a, on a Saturday for some showings at, uh, at 10 a.m. But uh, it was fun. I don't disagree with any of that. I'm wondering if the place <laughs> that you used to bartend is even going to reopen after all of this. Uh, well, so I worked at two places here on U Street I hope that they both do. They both have been in DC for a long time. I hope, yeah, I hope I, my hunch is that they both, re, they have both opened back up, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It remains to be seen what, what's even possible. I do have lots of friends that still work in mm-hmm. the restaurant industry here. And uh, some of them are back to work a little bit. Some of them are still not working. And uh, yeah, my, my heart goes out to them. One of the first things I thought of when, when all of this was coming upon us in mid March was, Oh damn, restaurants are Yeah. And that's gonna change where people live and why they live where they live. So the fact that DC's market is still okay is mind blowing to me. The real estate market? Yeah, because if you could literally work anywhere and you can't go to bars and restaurants because they don't exist as we once knew them, why would you stay here? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the housing supply in D.C. is limited anyhow due to mm-hmm. the height restrictions. And, you know, it's not a huge uh, geographical area. But uh, the jobs are still here. You're right. If, if in some version of the future where, uh, you know, half of the federal workforce doesn't have to be local anymore, that, that would certainly change D.C. a lot. Yeah. So like, hope, why? For, for property, I'm, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I, I'd like D.C. the way it is in, in a lot of ways. Are you at all afraid that because of the protests, the the general thought is like coronavirus like isn't as bad as we thought it was, and the death toll, which comes out to like a nine eleven every two days, isn't that bad, and people become more lax, and the <laughs> are you afraid of it coming back? I guess is what I'm asking. The the virus. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um... It seems like numbers have been down this week. And by the way, for, for the general public, a, a, a pulmonologist buddy of mine in Ohio called me earlier this week just to really check in. He was like, hey, I can tell you're still pretty stressed out about, uh, you know, world events. Uh, uh, anyhow, he was like, yeah, you know, the fact that you can see this data, like new cases daily, that's that's interesting for like medical research purposes, but to... But to to get that data from either the left or from the right, you know, with their own tweaks to it, is probably not healthy for for most of Amer- for most Americans. Mm-hmm. And I think at a fair point. But um, yeah, I'm I'm certainly concerned about the virus still being here. The timing, you know, the last couple of weeks has been interesting. The stay at home order was lifted. That also was the last day for DCPS students. That's mm-hmm. the same exact day, which seemed, you know, odd. Um, and uh, and now the protests it came about pretty quickly thereafter. So yeah, it feels like a recipe for a, for more cases. Unfortunately, I really hope that it just magically disappears. That would be lovely. But one of the reasons, you know, we're still are recently we decided at my house we're like yeah we're treating June the same way we treated April and May, and, and we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the grandmas want to come out to visit, but we. Mm-hmm kept them at bay so far do you think that they want to visit because they're not in a situ they're not in states that are really shut down like chicago very 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 much shut down for a long time the rest of the state of illinois not as much um they're from the midwest but they're not in chicago do you think that's why it is or they're just like i don't care i want to see my grandkids I think, yeah, it's probably a little bit of both. And I will say, uh, yeah, like you, I've got a lot of friends still in the Midwest, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It, and, you know, based on Instagram stuff, it feels like we're living in two different worlds. I mean, oh, yeah. In the, mid- in the Midwest right now, you know, the feed is pool parties and birthday parties mm-hmm. and, you know, 25 people in a big living room and no masks and, you know, hugs and and it feels it feels a little bizarre to see. Oh, I yeah. hope it's all good. I hope these are communities that um, you know really don't have anything to worry about. But it just it feels bizarre compared to D.C., of course, which is um, you know a lot of people are still staying in. A lot of the, you know the social media is about the protests. Um, you know, it's you know, it just kind of feels like different worlds. Do you find yourself an outsider in D.C. when it comes to your consistency about? quarantining the coronavirus um up until no not really i mean i think we're probably being more cautious here than a lot of people but Mm -hmm. we do have the the young baby um 
No, not really. I'm, I'm sure I know I've listened to a lot of your um, your recent guests and it sounds like every last one of them went down to protest. Yeah. And, and that's fantastic. And, uh, and, 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 you know, even Stephanie has asthma and that kind of thing. So they uh, they're braver than than we are. Uh, so, I don't know so if it's I, a bravery yeah. thing. I think it's really just, do you have kids or not? And if you don't, like, I'm going to roll those dice because I can and I'm taking full responsibility. And then the other thing is a lot of the people that I know that are going down, they're professional journalists and they're going for work reasons. And this is the job. This is why I signed up for what I signed up for. Yeah, friend Armando has asthma. And if he catches this, he's convinced he's going to die. But this is worth covering. This is worth that risk. So that's his that's his gamble you know yeah and i'm trying not to judge that in any way cuz i'm convinced that if i didn't have a kid i would not i would be covering the protests yeah oh for sure um and uh, my sister and i talked about that she uh, she and her husband are out in la i know you, you know both of them well mm-hmm. um her husband has you know bad asthma and, and they recently have gone down to the protests but uh yeah i was trying to impress upon megan that you know, kids Hopefully it's not um you know something we're hiding behind, but yeah, kids kids changes the math on you know, everything. Oh yeah, what does it change the math the most for you? Um, or did it even change anything? Because like once I wanted kids a long time, so once I had put that in my mind, as soon as my wife was pregnant, I was already there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we probably were the same way. Um, what did it change? Yeah, I mean, just life just changes totally. It's mm-hmm. uh, and, and I was still, I was, I felt very ready to be a dad. But now, I mean, looking back on Marin, or pardon me, I was going to avoid names. Um, looking back on our oldest, she was born in 2016, early 2016. That was the election year. Looking mm-hmm. back on that year, I was like, oh yeah, that like changed a bunch, and we were we were parents and. Um, but also looking back, I remember drinking very heavily. I remember drinking. <laughs> I remember being out with you. I remember going yeah. to like, uh, you know, to watch the debates together, drinking, mm-hmm. you know, stressed about it coming down to the wire in November. I remember being very stressed about the election, which I had you know, no control over mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and being out and drinking as a result. So maybe it didn't change, you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't change drastically overnight. Two things. I've never revealed my son's name on anything, and neither has my wife, but you have revealed your son's name, and more importantly, no offense to you, your sister has, and she's got the biggest platform of all of us, so That's everyone knows true. your kid's name if they want That's to know your true. kid's name. Yeah, I've only objected once. She shared something. I forget why I, I objected to it. She shared something, and whatever, she has 20,000 Instagram followers, most of them random bots, whatever. Uh, she shared something and she like put, she put our daughter's name there and then, you know, tagged me as well. And I was like, nah, 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 that just, please, please don't. <laughs> uh, I, you know what I do miss actually is the ability to stress drink. Like you don't have to wake up at four <laughs> five, six, seven AM. That's what I miss. <laughs> those are the good days, but those aren't good days either. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're I not... you're okay. <laughs> um, the other week, I think the day we were supposed to record originally um, was probably the worst day in Washington, D.C. when it comes to the not protests. It was a handful of uh, opportunists uh, that were looting. Uh, uh, Unlike 1968, they were looting mostly high-end places. Um, But there was a handful of it in the neighborhoods that we live in. Um, CBS, for example, like that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. We had a lot of helicopters all night, uh, just loud 
not loudness all night. How is it for you? Because uh, for the people that don't know Washington, D.C., you're what, like six miles from the Capitol, maybe seven? Yeah, yeah, that's right. From the White House? Yeah, we're on the west side of town. Um, Yeah, as I recall, like Sunday and Monday felt like just the town. It just felt like, oh, yeah, there's there's violence happening. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, surely some from the uh, from the people that were there to control the protest, the cops, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then also from, uh, yeah, opportunistic people that just wanted to loot or raise hell. So Sunday and Monday were, I think, yeah, extra stressful. But then really since then, it feels like it's been, has, it's calmed down. I mean, it feels like by this weekend, it was very, it seemed much more civil. I think Monday was the Trump stunt Mm -hmm. of, uh, of clearing out Lafayette square, which is just madness. Um, but yeah, over here there was there was concern. You know, next door the the portal was uh, a buzz with do this, do that, look out for this. So th- there was some property damage over here, and we we locked up extra tight for for some nights. But uh, yeah, for you know, the fact that there was even anything near you is sort of odd to me. Well, I mean, the city isn't that big. That's true. But it's not like an easy walk from the White House to where you live. Yeah, but I think, I mean, to be fair, I'm pretty sure our neighborhood is like 90% white. And okay. that, is, that is definitely not why we moved here. But, um, you know, yeah, for, for people in a neighborhood like this to to see the protests, I think, is is, is probably more important than... Mm-hmm. you know somewhere than other neighborhoods in the city seeing it because they're absolutely they it and they're living it are you glad that even though you're not able to go pretty much anywhere because of the coronavirus that you're still here or do you wish you were like in a cabin in the middle of some rural state uh like in the, you do you wish you were in a cabin in montana and had like acres of nothingness around you is this a is this a vacation or is this a uh, this is a coronavirus life? lockdown? You have to be there for the duration of however long you are going to quarantine. Interesting. Ah, uh, man, yeah, I think I probably would take the uh, vacation mode, uh, just because th- th- things here feel it feels tight. You know, yes, yeah. we we don't have a ton of space and uh, you know, dense population feels like it. There's there's risk there. So, yeah, the, the wide open space of Montana that sounds good. When are we going? When did you, when do you think you'll be comfortable to go to a fish or dead show? Oh man! Uh, well, I'm still going to fish shows virtually. Thank you. Uh, they've got another one tonight. Dinner and a movie starts at eight thirty. They're replaying the Gorge from 2013. It's gonna be sick. Um, uh, it, a real concert. I mean, it'll have to be. The virus will have to be behind us. I think. Okay. Right. It'll no, it doesn't. I mean, it depends on where you live. Like you were saying, in a lot of places, and a lot of our friends in the middle of the country, things. Are, I wouldn't be shocked if there's like concerts. Big concerts? yeah, I w- like, I wouldn't like be shocked like in September. Like a big like no band in Cincinnati. You think that's no? Be- I think like in two weeks, Trump's going to restart the rallies. Therefore, if if somebody's going to restart a rally, why aren't we going to have the show in the same arena? Yeah, not in this state. Sorry, not in this area, not in Maryland for sure, not in Virginia, not in D.C., but I wouldn't right. be shocked if, like, Ohio had them tomorrow. Huh. That's interesting. And, yeah, for, for that, when it comes to that, yeah, I very much prefer 
DC and what seemed like, you know, the mayor seemed to have a pretty cautious approach initially. And I liked that because I, I wanted to stay in. I wanted to be as safe as possible. Uh, that's interesting. I don't know. But yeah, I think for me to, to go to a, a concert like the good old days, it'll it'll need to be, um, you know, we're through the, the worst of the virus and there's a vaccine or there's some uh, really effective therapies, that kind of thing, which is, which is really a shame because, you know, that's, uh, we're, uh, we're workaholics, wife and I, we're, we feel very lucky. The kids are great. We love living in DC. We do work all the time. And so there's only a few things that we're like really cherish aside mm-hmm. from that everyday stuff. And for me, concerts is, is that, yeah, I fear concerts are maybe forever changed. When do you think um, you'll be comfortable to go in a group of 10 or less? Um, just for any old thing, just a party, for any old or thing. A cookout. Party. Yeah, cookout. I mean, I think at some point, you know, later this summer, maybe if we're if we're being social, we're observing six or more feet, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'll probably still feel compelled to wear a mask. Uh, I know some people won't, but yeah, I think for us, I feel like some of the timing, and I know I might be totally crazy on this. I hope I'm. I hope I am. I hope I'm being overly cautious. Um. But I think some of our timing at our household is tied to the school year, because if if the decision from DCPS becomes, yeah, you know, for the most part, it's going to be uh, kids are going to be back to school physically. Teachers are going to be at school physically. And surely there's going to be you know some big changes regarding how many in a class and then the movement throughout the school throughout the day. And, and everyone's going to be wearing masks and being as cautious as possible. But if that's the deal, if, if all of a sudden teachers are on the front line kind of, then I think that'll be the moment when at our house we say, all right, you know, we, we, we got to get back to life. So we're, we're back in. The girls are back in daycare and school. Um, we're just so they're still not in daycare. Your daycare is still closed. Our daycare opened up, I think, yesterday. Okay. Finally. And we love them. They're fantastic. Um, they reached out, you know, a couple times. Hey, we're going to open at the end of this stay-at-home order. Hey, we're going to open at the end of the next one. Uh, you know, the, the situation has just been so fluid with everything. Um, and we told them, they said, hey, yeah, we're, we're pretty positive now. We're going to open up on this date in June. And, we, you know, we're trying to figure out how many teachers we need to bring back immediately, mm-hmm. how many kids are going to be there. So to that, we said, you know, we love you all. We'll, we'll be back with one of them for sure, with two of them maybe. But it ain't going to be June, and you know July doesn't look. You know July's not too far away either. So yeah. But we'll we'll keep you posted. Um, and I I guess I just don't. People that are out and about because they're tired of being at home, or you know they're they're bored, or I just feel like the decision should be made based on like some kind of some kind of information, some kind of breakthrough. I don't know. Yeah. That, that that sounded like judgment. I apologize. Stop. It's okay to have judgment. <laughs> Well, so I'm not talking about the the protests are different, but yeah, the, you know, the, the, the Ozarks pool party, that kind of thing. That just, that just looked like madness. I hope that I see you. I, I, it's super easy to remember the last time I saw you because it was at a New Year's Eve party. And is that right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was New Year's Eve. And, uh, we, we, we kicked everybody out by 10 PM because everyone that was invited either, uh, had a child or knew about that. We have children (laughs) and the entire, it was, it was great to see your entire family. And I hope to see you. In the year 2020, because uh, I'm I'm optimistic, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I hope so too, man. That was a good party. That doesn't seem like that far ago. That's crazy. Exactly. You know, Mar- March feels like an eternity, but January 1st feels like oh yeah, sure. That was well. You're one of the few people who I have yet to rescind the invitation. Um, 
my friend Allison used to come over once a week. We would record socially distanced apart. We literally had a measuring tape. And now she's one of the main organizers for the protests. And right. my friend Armando used to come over every once in a while. But he's cover he's shooting he's photo- photographing the the uh <laughs> protests for multiple outlets. So like he's that is rescinded. Uh our mutual friend Jack, uh producer of uh podcast, he was scheduled to come over uh the Monday of the Lafayette Square uh debacle and yes. I had to rescind that invitation indefinitely yeah. because it's I gotta maintain the two week thing. So uh you're still invited over. And oh nice. We would still keep at least six to 10 feet apart. We have measuring tape for this example. My wife and I bought a projector screen so we could watch stuff outside. <laughs> That's a good idea. So no one uh, has to actually like sit inside there. We're outside the entire time. But if you're feeling uncomfortable in any way, I completely understand. No, no. D- D- Dad's going to start getting back out there. I, I feel I'm, I've been working, you know, it, as safe as possible, but mm-hmm. in-person meetings a couple times a week. And yeah, for me to, for me to come over and have a couple of beers in the yard, that sounds lovely. I like the projector idea. Our mm-hmm. mutual friend CJ uh, was going to make a pitch for. Oh, actually, I probably shouldn't even say it. Um, anyhow, live sports, outdoor viewing, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, sounded, sounded awesome. Listen, you're more than welcome to come over whenever. And the only thing I could promise you Thanks, is, man. no matter what's going on in the world, I will never allow anything bad to happen on that screen. So no fish <laughs> or Grateful Dead streams. Oh, buddy. Well, we don't have to watch Fish because that's more of an acquired taste. But the Grateful Dead, I mean, that's the greatest band that ever existed, man. And that's how we stop this show because now I'm going to stop talking to you. <laughs> All right.